Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Guys, I'm super excited because we have a very special guest today. Um, we are joined by Becky Bell. Uh, Becky is a registered dietitian with a passion to help women find relief from chronic digestive symptoms so they can be free to enjoy food and live with energy and mental clarity. This has us written all over it, right? We need mental clarity. We need energy. And I love the fact that she has a, a background in gut health, digestive health, because so many of us struggle with that. And so Becky, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Of course. And Becky's coming from to us from Colorado. So um, she's got some great things to share. As always, I try to make sure we have um, very special guests that add value and that you can learn from, and this episode will not disappoint. So um, Becky, why don't you start by introducing yourself and letting us know a little bit more about you? Yeah, sure. So um, I have been a dietitian for about 15 years and I um, have done lots of things. I um, have done some very like clinical work. I started my career working um, with uh, in dialysis and um, I've done kidney and liver disease, uh, organ transplant. Um, I've done professional nutrition writing, um, done lots of things. So, but I feel like the last couple of years have been really focusing in on um, digestive health. Um, and I really love this, uh, area because I feel like when you improve the health, health of the gut, that so many other things, uh, in your life are affected. And you know, as you mentioned in my intro, one of the things I really love is helping people to be able to enjoy food again. And, you know, when you're, and, and just to gain energy and, and get rid of that, like that brain fog, just to feel like clear and, you know, just to feel, um, um, like you just have the energy to be able to live your life and be the person you're made to be. That's what I really, uh, really love. And so I love focusing on gut health. Um, um, I also, um, am a mom of three <laughs> and, and a wife and, um, just moved to Colorado this summer. Actually, I've lived lots of places uh, in the country, grew up in the Chicago area. And, um, and we, now we are loving the outdoor living <laughs> in, in Colorado. <laughs> so. I have to say, I visited Colorado once a couple of years ago, and it was one of our favorite vacations, just being able to hike um, and just be outdoors. Like you said, it's, if you're outdoor people, that's the place to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's great that you never run out, never run out of things to do. <laughs> I, I can imagine. So I want to jump right in and specifically, I want to talk about like, what is gut health? Because I feel like that is a buzzword. We hear it all the time. Um, what exactly is gut health? Yeah, I think it's such a great question to start with because you're right. Like that topic, gut health is kind of trendy right now. And I think people think gut health and they think that means, you know, like drinking lots of kombucha or taking a fancy probiotic. And that's what gut health means. 
Um, but like breaking it down in really simple terms, gut health just describes the function of your digestive system. You know, how, how well are those organs of your gastrointestinal tract working, you know, to break down food and digest food, um, as well as it speaks to the environment of your gut. So which is, you know, kind of the technical term for that is the microbiome, you know, that's, um, just kind of like the, the bacteria balance in your gut and, and speaks to kind of like that terrain, uh, in your gut. And that, um, also, um, is part of that definition of what, you know, what is gut health. And then a whole other uh, part of gut health is, um, is really your immune function. You know, we don't, you know, necessarily immediately equate uh, immune function with, with gut health, but you know, the gut wall is, is really like the first line of defense in your immune system that your gut wall is meant to be a barrier. So it, you know, it allows uh, nutrients to be absorbed through uh, your digestive wall. And then it's also, so intended to, you know, to be a barrier to keep out, you know, bacteria and, you know, pathogens, foreign invaders, things you don't want, you know, to get into your, um, into your body. But, um, so when I think about gut health, those are kind of the, the kind of key, uh, key components, you know, how well are you digesting, you know, food, absorbing food, um, you know, what is that balance kind of that terrain and, uh, environment in your gut. And then, you know, how well is that barrier function working or you know, that, that's your part of your immune system. So nice. good health. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would say it's really not just about like, just about digesting food. You know, I think that's one of the primary functions of the gut, of course, is digesting food, but it really, you know, has an impact on really like your overall well being. Yeah. So when you say gut health, just again, to make it really clear for people that, you know, this may be new to them. When we say gut health, what are all the organs involved in gut health? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we think, I mean, we think about like your digestive tract, right? So you've got like everything from like mouth to your, your bottom. So you've got like esophagus, you've got, um, you know, your stomach, your small intestine, large intestine, like those are the, that's like the actual gastrointestinal tract, but there's other organs that are involved in that whole system and breaking down food. So you've got your, you know, your liver, your gallbladder are big pieces there too. I mean, even your pancreas is involved because your pancreas secretes enzymes to help break down food. So all of those organs are, are all in, have a play a role in digestion and they're really kind of all part of that system. So when I say gut health, you're actually technically your gut means like that gastrointestinal tract, but really when we're talking about gut health, it's that whole system. Like how is the whole system working together? Um, are those organs functioning, you know, as they should to break down food, uh, you know, and and then also just to absorb nutrients, right? And that's part of the reason why, as dietitians, I think it's fun to talk about like the health of the system is because, uh, I mean, it's you know, you don't you are what you you are what you absorb, not what you eat, but what you absorb. You know, so how well is your system able to actually get nutrition, you know, from uh, food and and use it in your body, and that that is all involved in gut health. So, what would be potential reasons why you wouldn't absorb nutrients? Well, part of it has to do um, with, uh, you know, how you're breaking down food. So if you're not, you know, if you're not breaking down food properly, like, you know, in, in your stomach or even in like farther down your intestines, you know, if you've got larger particles of food that you're not actually breaking down, you're not going to absorb those correctly. But also that like how healthy that lining of your gut. I mean, a lot of the actually absorption of nutrients happens in your small intestine and it, you know, things kind of pass through that digestive wall, you know, so your, your, that small intestine kind of regulates, you know, what gets to come through that digestive wall. And if you've got a lot of, you know, like inflammation or just issues, you know, on like going on in that, that, that digestive wall, 
then things don't always get absorbed, you know, as, um, as they should. But, um, I mean, there's also things too, like, you know, like your bacteria, um, in your gut plays a role. And I mean, that's helps to, di- helps to digest food that plays a role. Um, and even like, you know, do you have the right amount of acid in your stomach, you know? So, you know, that if you, um, I mean, a lot of times we think of, you know, too much acid being a problem in our stomach, but really if you, if you've, you know, suppressed the acid and you don't have enough acid, it's well documented that your absorption of nutrients is affected. You know, there's certain, certain vitamins that need the right, the right amount of acid in your stomach, uh, in order to be absorbed. So all, all of those are factors, you know, when it comes to whether or not you're actually getting the nutrition from, from food. Okay. So that actually goes into my next question, which was, what are some of the most common digestive issues that people struggle with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think when most people think about digestive issues, they're thinking specifically of symptoms, you know? So when you think, what are, what are the most common symptoms? I think some of the most common things that I hear people complain about, um, are like chronic bloating, um, and constipation. Um, some people it's chronic diarrhea, Um, I very commonly hear like alternating diarrhea and constipation, um, or, you know, like just stomach pain, pain after eating, um, acid reflux, uh, multiple food sensitivities. I hear that a lot. People just feel like that, like lot, there's lots of different foods that make them just feel poorly. Um, so those are some kind of some of the, um, symptoms, uh, and, and really just, um, you know, people also just saying that they don't feel like that they just feel well after eating is in maybe they, instead of feeling energized and feel really like, you know, nourished after eating, they feel maybe just really sluggish and fatigued after eating, um, or just really experience very uncomfortable, uh, symptoms diagnosis wise. I think some of the most common, um, digestive diagnoses are, uh, you know, you've got like your, like IBS, um, or, um, which is kind of just like a collection of, of, of symptoms really. Um, or then you've got your more like inflammatory bowel diseases, things like Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. Um, but honestly, what I see a lot is people that, um, have significant symptoms and that obviously something is not going right in the digestive system. Um, but never really get a diagnosis, you know, either they're, um, just, you know, either, either haven't gotten a diagnosis yet, or they just really don't meet any of the qualifications for any, like on testing for any real issues. So I think in those cases, some of those digestive issues, sometimes it has to do with just maybe that, you know, the microbiome isn't healthy, you know, it's not really uh, balanced. Um, or it could be things like, um, like the stomach acid issue, you know, if people you don't have the right amount of stomach acid, like I said, that affects, you know, how you're breaking down food, um, and can, uh, cause some of those symptoms. So sometimes it's some of those, those things that are causing symptoms and maybe are not actually, um, a diagnosis, you know, <laughs> and like a medical diagnosis and, um, just has, maybe just needs like, so needs to be a little tune up, you know, in the digestive system. So I want to just take a uh, just a brief second and highlight something you said earlier, because you mentioned food intolerances. So, you know, so many people use the word food intolerances and food allergies interchangeably. And so if you could just speak a little bit about what is the difference between the two. Yeah. And I actually think that I would, I would probably break that down into three categories. There's, you know, I, I kind of classify food allergies, food intolerances, and food sensitivities uh, all as three different things. Um, allergies are, are going to be like an actual, um, like an immune reaction, like an antibody. Like, I mean, if you want to get like nerd out, it's like an IgE antibodies, it's like, you know, that's, and you think about like, that's like when you're 
have maybe like an anaphylactic reaction to food. It's usually an immediate reaction, very severe, can be life-threatening. Um, but a lot of people that I deal with are more in like the intolerance and sensitivity camp where it's not actually life-threatening allergy, but they definitely don't, they have symptoms. They have some kind of side effects. Intolerances are going to be, that's like kind of like a lactose intolerance. And it might be like the fact that you're just not digesting, you know, digesting something well. So you, maybe you, you know, lactose intolerances, you don't have, you lack the enzymes to break down the lactose. Okay. So that would be an intolerance. Sensitivity, um, is a little bit, uh, different is in it, it does involve the immune system. So it's an immune reaction, um, but different than allergy. So, and usually, um, it's just like, it's an inflammatory reaction. And I, um, I see that being what is causes most people's symptoms, especially people that feel like they have just like this long list of foods that they feel like they react to. And it, and sometimes it feels random, you know, and they like, like, and, and sometimes it's like, I feel I last month I could, you know, eat bananas and now they make me feel, feel terrible, you know? So I usually feel like that is more of that kind of inflammatory reaction. And to me, that usually speaks to the fact that, you know, maybe your gut isn't as healthy as, as it should be. You know, I usually focus on instead of like, um, let's, you know, try to like take more and more foods out. Cause I feel like that's what usually happens. I get so many people that, you know, took like a food sensitivity test, you know, and, you know, maybe they like ordered online and took a food sensitivity test and they have this list of like 30 foods, you know, that they're, um, are reacting to. And, um, but to me that says that, okay, we need to improve, we need to improve, um, your digestive function and we need to figure out how do we calm down this inflammation? Because obviously there's way too much inflammation, um, that's causing you to react all those react to all these foods. So the good news with food sensitivities is a lot of times they get better, you know, an allergy is kind of a lifelong thing. If you diagnose an allergy, you really need to not, you know, uh, um, partake in those foods, you know, forever, but sensitivities, I really feel like change over time. And, uh, and a lot of times if we improve the health of the gut, they tend to get better and food tolerance tends to improve. Okay. So you keep talking about if we improve the gut, because I mean, that's one of my questions. Like, how do we know if these are just temporary symptoms that we can just kind of work our way through, which ones need attention, which ones can we fix, which ones we just have to live with? You know, sometimes I have people that have been struggling for years with a digestive issue and they just figured, well, that's just part of, you know, what I have to deal with for the rest of my life. I'm like, well, we can try to fix that. Uh-huh. So how do you know which ones can be fixed and which ones can't? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm under the impression. I mean, I, my, my opinion is that I feel like a, a large majority of digestive issues can be, if not completely fixed, at least greatly improved. I mean, there, I, I think, you know, I, think you have proper expectations that if you have had like significant gut issues for years, you might not, you know, be able to expect to be like 100% symptom free. But I think like that, that we can drastically improve symptoms in most, uh, in most situations. Um, I think that the issue, the, uh, gut issues that, you know, we might have to kind of live with are things that are more like, you know, like structural, you know, if you've got like more like a structural abnormality in your GI tract that, that, um, we can't always fix, uh, those things, you know, sometimes I know there's things that can happen surgically, you know, and, um, but, um, at least, at least with nutrition and lifestyle, we're probably not gonna, um, fix those things. Uh, and, um, 
And some of those, some of the more like inflammatory bowel diseases too, like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Um, I mean, I really believe that those, those also can be significantly improved, you know, with combination of medical management and also diet and lifestyle, but those, that's, I mean, those are autoimmune conditions that are not going to like just go away. You know, that is something that's probably going to stay around for a while, even if we can improve symptoms. But for most people that have like, especially if it's like IBS or, or just like all the symptoms without, you know, without an actual diagnosis, I feel like most of the time we can, uh, we can improve those things. (laughs) Which is hopeful because again, this is a, this is something that a lot of people struggle with. And so if we can provide hope and relief and, Mm -hmm. and give them some quality of life back, obviously that's, that's the goal. Yeah. And I, I get people all the time that even, even have a night. Uh, diagnosis of IBS and they've pretty much been told, um, you just, you just going to have to figure out how to live with this, even with IBS. And I'm like, I just like, I don't, my experience, that's not true. Like you really can, you know, improve, improve those symptoms. So, um, yeah, I think I, and I love giving, um, that hope to people, you know, that doesn't have, doesn't have to, to be just like miserable or like, you don't have to just like limit yourself to five foods that make you feel well for the rest of your life. You know, it can be, it can be a lot better. Yeah. So one of the things that really, um, prompted me to reach out to you and, and do this interview was you had a, a statement on a, a webpage that said that under eating can affect digestion. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that and, and what is the connection between under eating and digestive health? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's something that I feel like I work on with pretty much every one of my gut health clients is making sure they're eating enough. Um, and, and probably the main connection there is just that under eating uh, puts stress on the body. And anytime your body is in a significant calorie deficit, especially for an extended period of time, you know, I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't ever, you know, work on weight loss or ever be in a calorie deficit, but when we're in significantly under eating and in that, um, deficit where the body is really not getting enough nutrition for an extended period of time, um, it makes your body feel like your body thinks I'm not safe. And anytime your body feels that, like, I'm not getting what I need, um, it, your body naturally wants to protect itself. And so it has these mechanisms to, you know, respond and that your body perceives that as stress. Um, and so anytime, you know, stress is high, uh, then, you know, your body produces more cortisol cortisol is, you know, is a stress hormone, um, which, you know, some cortisol is necessary for the body, but when you have too much, um, it can cause damage to the gut. Um, undernutrition also slows thyroid function and, uh, when you slow your thyroid function, you also slow motility in the gut. So what I see a lot of times happen is, you know, when there's over restriction happening, then your metabolism slows down. Um, and it slows down pretty much everything in the body, um, including gut function. So, um, you end up with a lot more, um, problems like constipation, um, a lot more, uh, bloating and just things not moving well through the digestive tract. And I mean, that has like a lot of, um, I mean, obviously we don't, we want things to move. So we, you know, we want to have, you know, good normal bowel movements, not have constipation, but that has a really like, you know, a downstream effect too. When things aren't moving well, that causes, um, you know, other symptoms and just your whole, whole system that starts to not function, um, as it should be. Um, I kind of see this play out in two ways in my, in my practice. I definitely, um, have clients that, um, come to me that have, you know, been chronically dieting and, um, and just, uh, really just over restricting their intake, you know, um, for too long. Um, 
and, and then they're, you know, really under eating and I mean, under, under nourishing themselves and having some of the uh, side effects of that and really experiencing a lot of um, constipation and bloating. But I also have a lot of people that come to me that are under eating kind of unintentionally, um, just because they don't feel well. And, you know, a lot of people, like if you have a lot of digestive symptoms, then, um, you tend to, you know, be more prone to skip meals or to, um, I mean, I feel a lot of people say that it's just easier not to eat than to have to eat and then feel sick. So, which, you know, I get that and, you know, I have a lot of compassion for that, but the problem is, is that it kind of keeps you stuck with digestive symptoms. Cause then you're, when you're just really significantly under eating, um, your, uh, you know, all the things that I mentioned at the beginning, the beginning of this, you know, uh, uh, answer to this question happen is that things slow down and it just kind of keeps you in a vicious cycle. So, um, I, I really think, I know this is a, like a hard issue. Cause you know, I know, um, so many people, you know, would like to lose weight and I, um, I'm not anti, you know, at all, uh, weight loss and, and health. I think there's think absolutely think you can do it in a healthy balanced way. Um, but I think that we you know, I don't think we should, any of us should be restricting all the time. You know, we need, we need breaks, you know, if we're going to put ourselves in a calorie deficit, you need breaks from that. Just that constant dieting, that constant restriction is, um, is where you're going to really probably, uh, you know, contribute to, to symptoms. And we need to, you know, do that in a, um, I think do it in a way where we're not uh, putting ourselves in like that really severe undernutrition. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine too, like with all the constipation and the bloating, you know, you're disrupting the bacteria population even more because now mm -hmm. you've got stool sitting in your, mm -hmm. in your gut. And so, like you said, it just becomes a self-feeding cycle and, you know, it's really hard to, to figure out where to start. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really great point. Um, so then the other question, um, is you mentioned again, in that same article that I was reading is how an obsession with the scale can also impact your digestive issues. So I'd love to hear more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this kind of goes, goes along with, you know, what we just talked about and, but, um, and again, I just say like, I don't, I don't think that weight loss, you know, itself is anything wrong with that, but I think that, it, and I think it is possible to lose weight in a balanced way, but when we really just get really fixated, uh, on that, on the scale and that number on the scale, I think it, it's when we really start to see some problems crap up with our gut health. I mean, first of all, and it's in a really, really an attachment to the scale, especially, you know, if you're like weighing every day or multiple times a day and really fixated on it, then it really starts to cause a lot of stress. You know, you can start to cause stress over, over that number and you know, and worry about like, oh my gosh, it today, like it went up, you know, and like, and then, or today, like, oh my gosh, I've gained two pounds since yesterday. And then you start to think like, okay, okay what did I eat? And like, what did I do wrong? And, um, and what that leads to is then a lot of stress stress around food. <laughs> and anytime that you're feeling, uh, stress around food and, you know, really worried about like, am I making the right decisions? Is this going to make me gain weight. And, um, then it's number one, really hard to enjoy food. <laughs> and, but when you're stressed, you don't digest well. Um, believe it or not, I really, I really love to, you know, help my clients to learn how to enjoy food and really encourage them to just take in the whole experience of making sure like yeah, at mealtime, like, are you taking in the smells? Are you taking in the flavors? Are you really, are you taking in, you know, the experience of enjoying a meal with, with someone else because, uh, enjoying food actually, uh, improves your digestion. <laughs> so, um, and just being, and being relaxed at mealtime is really important. So your, your nervous system is either, you're either in that 
flight or fight, you know, um, uh, mode where you're kind of, your nervous system is engaged and kind of, you know, um, hyped up and ready to like, you know, to defend yourself or you're in the rest and digest, you know, where your nervous system is relaxed. And it's called rest and digest because you have to be in that restful state in order for your body to really to digest as it should. So anytime that you're in that stressed, you know, hypervigilant state, uh, you're gonna, your digestion is going to be impaired. So I think that, um, that's where I see that connection, you know, coming in, like the obsession with the scale and the, and really the food fear and, and stress around food, I think really, um, keeps people stuck with, with digestive issues. So, um, something I always work on with my clients is helping them to, you know, like kind of work on that mindset around food and around mealtime, enjoying food and, and really getting themselves into, um, a mindset where they can be relaxed (laughs) at at mealtime and, uh, can actually make a big difference. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So I guess if we had to if I was going to ask you, what are like three ways we can improve our gut health right now? What are some of the tips you would give to us? Yeah. So some of the, the basics that I you know work on with, with everyone, um, is number one, and this sounds so simple, but, um, one of the best things that you can do to improve your gut health is just to chew your food. So, and I know it sounds silly, but, uh, when you start paying attention to how well you chew your food, you will realize that most of us like to take a couple bites, swallow it down. Um, and you're really missing kind of some of the, di- like the essential steps of the digestive process when you like don't chew food thoroughly. Um, the act of chewing is the first step of digestion. And when you're chewing, it signals your body, like, okay, food is coming. I need to get ready for this. So your body starts, you know, like, you know, ramping up the stomach acids, like releasing digestive enzymes, um, all of that, like in response to, to chewing. So you should be chewing your food to applesauce consistency, which, you know, when you start paying attention, you're going to notice like that's a lot of chewing. (laughs) Um, but I, I, and I actually think that makes a big difference. So that's, um, what I always have people start with. Um, and then number two, um, is just to eat, eat less processed food. You know, we know, you know, overdoing with processed food is, is harsh on the gut and, you know, tends to, you know, cause inflammation in the body. Uh, and, you know, I understand, like I live in the real world. I understand like processed food, there's a place for it. So we can't really avoid it uh, altogether, but as much as possible, trying to eat more, you know, whole foods, focus on real food, uh, as opposed to packaged food, you know, and processed food is, is really beneficial for the gut. Um, and then the third thing I'd recommend, um, as far as, uh, starting is just focusing on eating more plants. Um, that's one of the very best things that you can, best things you can do for your, uh, gut is to, uh, to give it more plants. And I usually encourage my clients to aim for 30 different plants uh, in a week. And, um, and when I say plants, it's not just vegetables. It means fruits, vegetables, whole unprocessed grains, nuts, seeds, you know, all those things that all those foods that come from plants, all of those, um, are good high fiber foods and, you know, fiber is one of the best things you can, uh, give your gut. So I always, that's one of the best things you can do. Um, for your gut. If you can't tolerate any of those foods, then we have more, have more work to do, but that tells you, okay, we need, we need to dig a little bit deeper. There's something going on and that definitely happens. But, um, but for most people, that's something you can do is for like prevent, like for prevention and just to like, you know, keep your gut overall healthy is make sure you're, you know, really, um, eating lots of plants and lots of diversity in, in plants. 
I'm just, I'm thinking to myself as you're saying these tips, do I get 30 different plants a week? I don't, I don't know. I tend to eat similar ones maybe per week. Cause when I go to the grocery store, I might be eating a lot of berries this week or next week I might be eating more pears, but do I get the variety each week? I think that's an excellent challenge for us all to, you know, to partake in. And then the other one you said about the chewing to applesauce I'm just shocked I don't have more gut issues because <laughs> I do not chew to applesauce consistency, but you know, after hearing this, that's definitely something I too can work on. So thank yeah. you yeah, for now you're, you're going to notice. <laughs> I sure am. And I'm, I'm going to even tell my kids, which who knows how far that will go, but right. just um, maybe we'll try an experiment tonight. <laughs> right. Awareness is always the first step. So I appreciate yep. that. <laughs> Awesome. Becky, well, we always like to end our episodes with a recipe. So I was hoping that maybe you would share one of your favorite, maybe gut healthy recipes mm-hmm. with, um, with our listeners today. Yeah. So I love to share my apple pie overnight oats recipe. And I picked this one because um, it does have a couple plants in it. It's full of, you know, it's got oats and it's got chia seeds. Chia seeds are wonderful for the gut. They're high in fiber, high in magnesium, both you know, great things for the gut. So to me, and this isn't when you can prep ahead, you know, for breakfast. So I'm going to give you this recipe. Um, it's enough to make four servings. So you can make four breakfasts ahead. So you're going to, uh, take, um, well, I'll read the ingredients first. So you're going to have one cup of oats, one cup of chia seeds, um, five cups of milk or, you know, any kind of milk substitute, um, one teaspoon of vanilla, two diced apples, uh, one tablespoon of coconut oil, uh, one teaspoon of cinnamon and one tablespoon of maple syrup. So I like to dice the apples and saute them in the coconut oil, and then just kind of drizzle them with the maple syrup and, and the cinnamon. And then while the apples are cooking on the stove, you can mix together uh, in a bowl, mix together the oats, the chia seeds, the, um, your milk or milk substitute, your vanilla, and then divide that oat mixture between four containers. I like to just put it in four you know, mason jars. And then when your apples are done sauteing, you just t- um, put those on top of your oats. Um, and then you can put those in the refrigerator for you know, at least four hours um, or overnight. And, um, and then optional, if you, when you go to serve them. You can top with some chopped pecans if you, if you would like. Very nice. That sounds delicious. Yes. Oh, awesome. Oh, well, Becky, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, if you want to tell the listeners where they can learn more about you or more of your digestive tips, how can we best, um, connect with you? Yeah. So, um, you can go to our website, which is, uh, rooted nutrition therapies.com. And we do have a free download on our website. That is a guide to, you know, seven strategies to improve your digestion at your very next meal. Um, and then we also have a free Facebook group where we, you know, talk uh, a lot, a lot of gut health tips and, um, and that is, you can search that on Facebook. It's rooted nutrition, uh, and gut health and holistic wellness. Awesome. Well, Becky, thank you so much for joining us today. Really, it was so informative. And um, I think a lot of people are going to walk away with this with a lot of great information. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, I'll see you next week. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.